Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Hey, Matthew chapter 2, if you have your Bible, Dean's already read our passage today. I'm Pete, uh, start a sermon series in December called Grinch, Keeping the Merry in Christmas. We're looking at the things that tend to get us down around Christmas time, what the Bible might say to them, because... Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy, right? That's just not a Hallmark commercial or Coca-Cola commercial. It's a Bible. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is Messiah the Lord. So here's the deal. Christmas was designed to be a joyful time. We are celebrating the birth of our Savior. And so it should bring with it joy. It ought to remind us to be joyful. In the midst of a dark, depressing world, Christmas time should be a time of joy or merry. There's a reason we say Merry Christmas, right? Because it has joy in it. But we know things tend to drag us down around this time. So I'm talking about a few of those looking back at the Christmas story. Last week I preached on don't let your problems get you down. Today I want to preach on this. Do not let people get you down. Like we get, right? Uh, the majority of our problems are people problems. Can I get an amen right there, right? Just don't look to your right or left. Look straight ahead. Like it's, it's people problems, right? We, we have people problems. Now, I want to tell you this today. I don't often just preach on relationships without tying every relationship in your life. I'm doing that today because um, I'm not talking about your marriage. Like I'm going to say some things today that absolutely 100% do not apply to your marriage. And I'm going to tell you that right off the bat because I don't want you going, going and getting your husband or your wife saying, well, that preacher said that I ought to just, nope, didn't say that. I'm not talking about your marriage at all. Marriage is a special relationship set apart by God that has its own set construct to it that I'm not talking about today. Sometimes I'll preach from the Bible and maybe preach on forgiveness or something and it's general good relationship advice, marriage and all. Not today. Today I'm preaching about everything but marriage. Everybody get it? Say amen. Amen. All right. So don't go home and quote me to somebody uh, when you're in the knockdown drag out this afternoon. I didn't do it. Right? Because relationships matter. Right? Friendships matter. Social connections matter. As a matter of fact, we, we know that when uh, psychology does the research, we know that our long-term health is infected in ways, affected in ways just as powerfully as getting a good night's sleep or being on a good diet or not smoking. Like relationships matter just that much in our lives. As a matter of fact, here's what research will tell us that dozens of studies show that when we have a good connection with family, friends, and community, right? Family, friends, and community. Here's what those studies show, that we are happier healthier and live longer happier healthier and live longer when we have good relationships with family friends and community people around us happy healthier live longer when we don't have those relationships or when those relationships go sour here's what research tells us that we are more prone to depression cognitive decline and death like we're not happy we don't think straight and we die sooner. One study said this. 
One study, which examined data from more than 309,000 people, found that a lack of strong relationships increased the risk of premature death from all causes by 50%. An effect on mortality risk roughly comparable to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day greater than obesity and physical inactivity. Greater than obesity and physical inactivity inactivity. So on the one hand, we need relationships for our own good, right? It makes us happier, healthier, and live longer. But on the other hand, we need them to be good. We need them to actually be friends. We want social interaction. We want it so badly that Facebook labels our connections, our hundreds of connections, or thousands in some cases, as friends. People we barely know. Have you ever thought about how many friends you actually have in life? If I were to ask you, how many best friends do you have? Or how many friends do you have? Well, Snapchat, the social media platform, does an annual friendship study. And here, here's what they determined this year, that globally, people reported an average of about four best friends, while in the United States, we only had three. Which I don't know why. It's weird to me that we only had three best friends. We just don't like people as much in America, I guess. And so we only had three friends. Three, but four or three. When asked about when you found your best friend, you always think it's high school, right? You always think this person I met in ninth grade is going to be my best friend. Well, they don't. The average person found their best friend when they were 21 years old, and then they found globally that we have about seven regular friends and 20 acquaintances, about seven regular friends. So, I mean, for most people, we're talking about less than a dozen people in our lives that are determining our happiness and our joy in our, we're letting determine it. Because when, when asked, get this, when asked what were the qualities that people most look for in relationships, good relationship, you know what it was? Honesty and authenticity. Honesty and authenticity. So here we are, we, we've got three or four best friends, depending on where you live. We've got, you know, six or seven uh, uh, regular friends, and yet we don't even trust them all the way. When asked what we would not talk about with our best friends, Snapchat found this out. Number four, we wouldn't talk about relationship issues. Number three, we would not talk about our love life. Number two, we would not talk about our mental health, or at least we don't remember talking about it with them. And number one, you know what the number one issue we avoid with friends is? Somebody guess. Come on. Money. Money. I thought it had been religion or something like that. Money, why, why don't we t trust our best friends with that advice? The reason we don't trust our best friends with that advice is because our best friends have let us down. Our best friends have hurt us in the past. And some of you may be rolling into Christmas time and you're rolling to Christmas time and you've been let down by people. You've been hurt by people. You've been had your joy robbed by people. You've had these very people who are supposed to be close to you in friendships or close to you in family. They have a way of letting you down. It's not just a social media problem. It's been a problem for all time as a matter of fact one of my favorite quotes ever goes back so many years ago mark twain said this the more i learn about people the more i like my dog right like 
You, you, you can agree with that sometimes, right? Like the more I learn about people, it more like my dog, why? Because people have a way of getting us down. People have a way of discouraging us. People have a way of robbing the joy right out of our lives. How do we stop from letting people get us down? Well, what I want us to do is look at the first Christmas story because it happened in the very first Christmas story in Matthew chapter two. Denny's already read our Bible. I won't read it again just now. But this in Matthew chapter two is a post-Christmas story. It gets lumped in with the birth of Jesus, but it's really post-birth of Jesus that the we see the characters of the wise men walking on to the scene in this story. And right off the bat, we find that the enemy is trying to rob Jesus and Mary and Joseph of their joy with people problems, right? Because most of our anxiety comes from people. So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that anxiety from people? So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going I'm to do this. Look, I'm not doing a deep dive theologically. I'm not, you know, a lot of times you hear Greek words from me and all. I'm not doing any of that today. I'm going to just make some observations about the text, right? I want to see, I want to observe what happened at this Christmas. I want to observe it and I want to apply it to our lives when it comes to relationships. So will you let me do that today? Uh, number one, I want to tell you this. How do you keep from letting people get you down? Number one, you have to take the good and take the bad. Take the good and take the bad. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It said, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, comma, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. I love it that they're back to back. That in the CSB, which I use, King Herod, comma, wise men, they're back to back. That the two main characters developing in this story are King Herod and the wise men. Now, let me, let me talk about those for just a moment. The wise men could have meant so many things. Oh, historically, it's the word magi in your Bible. And, and it means so many things over time. Not our time, but over their time. It could have been the, it could have been the uh, members of a Persian priestly class of a pagan religion it could mean people who had supernatural knowledge and power it meant magician sometimes it's magi's the root word for magician it could have meant a deceiver of some sort in the new testament it came to be known as someone who had secret wisdom in our in our passage it has to do with astrology men who sought special insight from the stars about the uh, they observed the stars and the planet and made observations about men uh, the Medes and Persians talked about Magi all the time as a matter of fact you go back in the book of Daniel and Daniel talked the, about the Magi of the Babylonian Empire even in the Old Testament we see them on the scene when we get here Matthew 2 verse 1 it is a it is a group of men who are Gentiles who would have followed the stars and wound up in Bethlehem searching for the Savior of the world. Now, some magi were honest inquisitors of the truth and some were rogues and charlatans. Here in Matthew chapter 2, we find men who were divinely, genuinely searching for the truth. And I find it amazing, amazing that God used the pagan wisdom to bring the Gentiles to worship his son. You say, well, God wouldn't have done that. He did. He did. That they came following the star. That they had searched through astrology. And by the way, I'm very anti-horoscope. I'm not, we're against all that. But God used it here, not horoscope, but astrology to bring them to the feet of Jesus. Many commentators believe it was God's way of introducing the gospel to the Gentile world. That even at the birth of Jesus, they came 
And they, verse 2 tells us, they told Herod, we have come to worship him. They were looking in all probability for a king that they had searched out of the Jewish books, but they came to worship. We don't know how many wise men there were. Of course, in all the kids' plays, there's three. There been many more than three. It had been a large caravan of people that came. They brought three gifts. But here they are, these wise men in, in chapter 2, and they're showing up in verse number 2, totally devoted to a king they've not yet met, ready to worship him. There's another character introduced in verse 1, King Herod. Can I just say about King Herod and good old North Georgia slang, King Herod was a piece of work to be dealt with. He had a famous father who gave him a governorship when he was 25 years old. And if he had not been evil and crazy, and by the way, he was evil and crazy, he w- we would only remember Herod from his building projects. You can go back in history and read about all his building projects. He created a huge port in Caesarea that allowed commerce to come in and out. He, uh, he created a huge fort called Herodium that he would retreat to sometimes in fear. He, he helped rebuild the Jewish temple. Like this was a man that had massive building projects, but that's what we should remember him for. But he was evil and crazy. He had 10 wives and 15 kids with those wives, and he had a favorite wife. Now, I know what you're thinking, ladies. Man, I wish I'd have been the favorite. Probably not. Probably you didn't want to be. He told his guards that if something happens to me, the first thing I want you to do is murder my favorite wife because I don't want anybody else to have her. That gets you right there, done. That's true love, right? That's true love. It's true love. He killed her parents because he was jealous of them. He executed two of her sons, his sons too, but two of her sons because he thought they might want the throne. He, he, he murdered another son later on because he thought, he just, it was always that way. Before he died of a horrific disease, a painful disease, Herod had arrested some of the Jewish leaders and had them in prison. And on his deathbed, he ordered the soldiers to go execute the Jewish leaders in prison so the Jews would be mourning while Herod died. They would not be mourning for him, but they would be mourning for the leader. And he just wanted somebody crying at his funeral and nobody was going to do it. They were going to throw a party for him because he died. He was a vile, vicious, evil toxic human being and so the wise men come up to Herod and say hey we've heard about a new king of the Jews do you know where he is and you can imagine Herod's surprise and so Herod said hey obviously I'd want to worship the new king of the Jews if he's going to take my place Uh, so you go find him and bring him to me And we know all along that Herod's plot, we learned throughout the rest of the chapter, was to murder Jesus. So you have two characters on the scene, all introduced back to back in chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. You've got wise men who sincerely want to worship Jesus, and you've got a madman that wants to destroy him. And it's a little picture of Jesus' entire ministry. Jesus always had people who loved him or hated him, and nobody was in between. As a matter of fact, it was Jesus who said, remember, he that is not with me is, say it with me, against me. 
She said, I can't find anybody in the middle. There is no middle ground with me. You either love me or you hate me. And from his very birth, Jesus was having to deal with both kinds of people. And here's the observation I want to make today. That if the very son of God had to deal with both kinds of people in his life, you and I are going to be no exception to that whatsoever. You know what? You're always going to have people in your life who want to who wanna encourage you and discourage you. You're going to have people in your life that want to love on you and want to hate on you. I'll put them in two categories. There's nothing special about this. We'll call one the blessers and one the burners, right? You got both. You got people in your life who want to bless you, encourage you, bring you joy and delight, help and comfort in times of need. And then you got the burners who want to discourage you, hurt you, wound you, wear you down. And every time you're around the burners, they're, they're King Herod, man. They're toxic. They're bringing destruction into your life. They're tearing you down and taking your happiness and your joy out of your life. And here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. You need to come to the realization in your life that there's always going to be both kinds in your life you can appreciate the blessers and you can pray for the burners what you pray for them is up between you and God but you can say a prayer for them for sure but neither should control your joy and happiness in your life see your Jesus had a mission to do just like you and you have to take the good and take the bad and you take them both and there you have right life life Sometimes I think God puts the discouragers in our life so we appreciate the encouragers even more. I kind of liken it going to Disney World, right? What's the best thing about Disney World? You know what the best thing about Disney World? Are the rides, right? Amen. The characters, the food, the exit sign. That's beautiful when you see it, right? That's all great about Disney World. You know what the worst thing about Disney World is? I'll show you the worst thing about Disney World. Right, wait time, 300 minutes. 300 minutes. You know, you know what the beauty of Disney World is? It is that the worst thing about Disney makes the best thing about Disney even sweeter. Because when I, after I've stood and ride, and by the way, that's the sign for the bathroom at Disney. After you've stood in line 300 minutes to ride a ride at Disney. I'm not getting off that ride and telling you how much I hate it. I'm getting off that ride and telling you it's the greatest thing ever. Why? Compared to standing in line, I don't care what it was. It was awesome. You know, one of the sweetest things in life are people who bless us, but you know why they're one of the sweetest things in life? Because we have all the other people to compare them to. Jesus had the encourager and the discourager the blesser and the burner sometimes in life we want all the burners gone out of our work out of our family out of our friends out of our relationships and can I tell you it may be that sometimes they're there to remind us to be thankful for the people in our life who bless us often the people who are closest to us that we look over if Jesus started having them both you're going to have them both as well so here's what I'm going to tell you this morning don't let the burners get you down look the whole family could have given up on the call of God in chapter 2 and we wouldn't have a Bible and we wouldn't be saved today but they didn't why because here's what we know burners going to burn they're going to do what they do and our job is not to let them get us down let me say two things quickly I got five points but I want to hit these next two so fast how do you keep from letting people give you down number two know who the givers are in your life 
the wise men brought these gifts. Now, these gifts have a, have a lot of, we try to apply, maybe we over-spiritualize them through the years. And, and we say, well, the gold represented the, the, the king, the royalty of Jesus. And the frankincense represented the divinity of Jesus. And the myrrh represented the burial of Jesus. It was a spice used in burials oftentimes. We don't know if any that's true or not. But what we do know is true is that these were gifts worthy of a king. Luxury gifts. And what they actually would have have done with these gifts would it would have been their monetary needs for years we're going to see they're going to be on run for the years and these gifts would have met their expenses over the first few years of their life so when I say they are givers they gave above and beyond and here's the thing about Jesus you know this all of Jesus's life he was surrounded by takers all of his life people that needed healed Peter people that needed helped People that just always continually took from Jesus and brought needs to them. And one time in his life, Jesus had somebody that came along and gave to him. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. You need to know who the givers are in your life. What do you mean by giver? That is the people who encourage you. That are, that are the people who bring joy into your life. Those are the people that help you. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm moving on. Invest in the givers. Spend time with the givers. Give to the givers. Appreciate the givers. Know who they are in your life. Sometimes we're trying to force a relationship with someone with whom it's never going to work, no matter how bad. Know who the givers are and invest in that relationship. But number two, know who the takers are. It said in verse 13, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Wise men worship, Herod tried to kill. Herod was jealous, envious, possessive, and toxic. Don't be fooled by his flattery. He said, oh, I, I want to worship him too, but he had no plans on ever giving to Jesus and I was just reminded when I saw that passage that it's easy for us to get fooled sometimes in relationships too that people will come along and declare their friendship but the proof's always in the pudding takers take and they wear you down and steal your joy and if you have people in your life who that every time you're around them they steal your joy minimize the role of the takers in your life which leads me to number four and that's this Sometimes you need to move on. An angel appeared to Joseph and warned him that Herod was coming. In the middle of the night, middle of the night, the family made their escape and they went to Egypt. They got far, far away from Herod's reach. Herod had no reach whatsoever on them in Egypt. And I find this interesting that the Son of God could have he could have opened the earth and swallowed Herod in the earth, but he he just told Joseph and Mary, "Hey, just move on, get away from that guy. Just wait till this is over." Sometimes in a, in a toxic relationship, you know what you need to do is get away and move on. Now, I'm not saying you give up on every relationship that's not perfect. I am saying that sometimes relationships are never going to be what you imagine them can be. And the connection will always rob the joy out of your life. I won't ask you to raise your hand. But how many people, as a matter of fact, please don't raise your hand. How many of you have somebody in your life that every time you leave them, you're more depressed and more discouraged than you've ever been? Hey, sometimes you need to realize you might just want to move on. My wife sent me this. She sends interesting articles to me. She didn't know I was going to use it in today's sermon, as a matter of fact. But she sent me this article about Robert, Robert Pattinson. Y'all know who that is? He did like, 
Harry Potter and, and Twilight, and then he's going to be the new Batman. I'm having a hard time reconciling this guy's Batman, but he's going to be the new Batman. And um, he said while he was filming in Spain, he had a stalker stalking him for weeks. What do you do when a stalker is stalking you, right? You, you do what? You call the police, right? You hire a bodyguard, get a private detective, those kind of things. You know, get some kind of security on yourself or whatever. Well, that's not what he did. Robert Pattinson, when he had a stalker stalking him, you know what he did? He took her out on a date. Here's what he said. He said, I had a stalker while filming a movie in Spain. She stood outside of my apartment every day for weeks, all day long, every day. I was so bored, he said, and lonely that I went out to dinner with her. Now, that's not where the story ends. It's my favorite story of the year, by the way. What happened on the date with the stalker? Here's what happened. I just complained about everything in my life, and she never came back. I love this with all of my heart. You know what? Even stalkers have standards. Amen? Even stalkers have standards. I mean, come on, Robert. Enough's enough, man. I love it that even stalkers like, no, you're, you're toxic, man. I, I just got to move on. I just got to move on from you. Right? There's some people a, a stalker doesn't even want to be around, right? There, there's some people in your life, if a stalker has enough sense to not come back, there are people in your life that you need to say, you know what, quietly slip away. You say, preacher, I'm going to fix them. Can I tell you this? Herod could not be fixed. You're not a counselor. Move on. I'm not trying to be cold there. I'm not trying to say make a production. I'm just saying, if people are getting you down, if a person is getting you down, God got his son out of Egypt, sometime got out of, to Egypt, sometime you need to move on. And that all leads me to number five, and I'm, this will be the spiritual part, and I'm finished. Number five. Well, how do you keep from letting people get you down? Number five, find your fulfillment in God. I love this. It's beautiful, and it gets overlooked. The last verse we read, he stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I have called, there it is, my son. Those two words are the greatest declaration in the Christmas story. My son. Jesus is the son of God. Throughout the Gospels, we will continually hear Jesus speak of his relationship with the Father over and over again. It's that relationship that kept him going. It's that relationship that kept him fulfilled. It's that relationship that kept him happy and content and encouraged and joyful. It's that relationship. It's that relationship we read about in Mark 135 where the Bible says that a great while before morning, Jesus got up to pray. Jesus was so into the relationship with his father, with God, that he would rise hours and hours before everyone else just so he could spend time with him. Why? He knew that's where his fulfillment in life came from, his joy, his happiness. And can I tell you this, Christian, that one reason people get us down is that we expect too much from them. Let's take a test. Do you know what crazy people do? You know what crazy people do? Crazy stuff. Right? They can't help it. That's who they are. You know what hurting people do? Hurtful stuff. You know what toxic people do? Toxic stuff. See if you've caught on. You know what mean people do? Mean stuff. You know what weird people do? Weird stuff, man. Not even spiritual. Just weird. Just weird. You're just weird. Weird people do weird stuff. You, you, you don't change that. You know what God does? Good stuff. We sang about the goodness of God. 
one of the reasons we let people take our joy is we're looking for crazy, weird, toxic, mean, hurtful people to bring joy in our lives, and they're never going to do it. You know where our joy and fulfillment ought to come from? Is in this relationship with God. Relationship with others is great, but relationship with God is a necessity. And all throughout Jesus' life, his entire ministry, read the Gospels, all throughout his life, people were hating on Jesus and hating on Jesus and misunderstanding him over and over and over again. Why in the world did he go to the cross for us? I'll tell you why. Because he didn't find his fulfillment in people, he found them in his relationship with his Father. And one reason we struggle with people, we give them control over our lives, and they determine our joy, our happiness, when that ought to come from God, not from others. Close your Bibles, and I'm, I'm finished. We'll give you a test. Don't answer. Don't answer yet. It's an important test. I want you to look up here and see if you can do the math, right? See if you can do the math. For one groom in India, this is the math problem that will haunt him for the rest of his life because a guy named Ran Baran was standing at the altar waiting on his wife. Her name was Lovely, Lovely. And so Lovely's walking down the altar and Lovely's family had been suspecting that Mr. Brand did not have as much education as what his, uh, he and his family had indicated he had. And so she's about to marry him and spend the rest of her life with him. And so she's walking down the altar and she's about to meet up with him at the altar and literally walks down the altar Looks him face to face and he's looking at her with all the loving eyes a groom looks at his newly adorned wife. She was dressed up in typical, there she is, typical Indian garb. And he looks at her and she looks at him and she says, what a husband's always wanted to hear at the altar. What is 15 plus 6? Now I'm going to give the guy some space here. Math is hard, right? Can I get amen? It's really hard if you're getting asked math questions at the altar when you're getting married, right? Like, Brain not might work, but 15 plus 6, she asked him, stand at the altar. What's the answer? See how good North Georgia education is, right? What is it? 21, thank you. He said 17. She literally turned around, walked out, and never came back. She had a, she had a spouse test. Bare minimum standard, right? If you, if you can't answer this, it's not the question I would have gone with, but I mean, here it is. If you can't answer this, I'm out of here. And she left. Well, I don't know. Good for her, maybe, I don't know. Here's what I know. Life would be a little simpler if the test was that easy, right? Like, are you going to be a giver in my life? Are you going to be a taker in my life? Where are you going to line up on that? We don't have a test here's what we do know you're going to have both people in your life you're going to have those that encourage you and those that discourage you just learn to live with it jesus had to and you're going to have givers and you're going to have takers and invest in the givers and minimize those takers sometimes you've got to move on but here's here's the main point of the whole message is this too many times we're looking for to get out of other people what we should be getting out of our relationship with god one reason we're so discouraged and one reason we're so depressed and one reason we let people get us down is we're trying to get from them what only comes from Him. We need to go all in on that relationship. It's the most important. So if you're in the room, Rossville, would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed.
online, just hang with me, heads bowed, eyes closed. Here's what I want you to do. If you're, if you're here today and you're a believer and you're a Christian, I'm going to come back to you in just a moment. But I want you to, once you sit and I want you to think for a minute. If you're a believer, you're a Christian, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about your relationship with people, people who are bringing anxiety into your life. I want you to filter them through this sermon. And I want you to think about your relationship with the Lord. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Now, if you're here today or you're watching online, you're at Rossville, and you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you don't know that when you die, you'll go to heaven. Listen, just you. Everybody else, head bowed. But if you don't know if you, where you will go when you die one day or if you'll go to heaven when you die, I want you to look right here at me. Look right here at me. Listen, the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with Jesus. Because when you die one day and go to heaven, he's not going to ask you a math question. He's not going to ask you if you were good or bad. Good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. People who know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life go to heaven and people who do not go to hell. So the question is, what have you done with Jesus? I know you're watching today. You're here in the room. And look, here's the truth. God brought you into this place under conviction. Your heart heavy over your eternity and your soul and your lost condition. You say, Preacher, I just, I just want to know what to do about it. And here's what it is. God has already paid the way for your relationship to be right. You just have to receive it. And it's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're, you're a sinner. You can't save yourself. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't. I can't. None of us can. We all have to admit that. B, you've got to believe that Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose again the third day. We call that the gospel. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life personally. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now every head bowed, every eye closed, no matter where you are. If you're, if you're watching today and you'd like to become a Christian, I'm going to lead you in prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. As a matter of fact, if you know how to pray and do it, you just do it. You don't need me. But I know many of you, this will be the first time you've ever prayed in your life. And it's going to be a prayer to God asking him to save you. I'll help guide you in that prayer if you'd like. Again, the prayer doesn't save you. It's the intent of your heart to trust Jesus. You can say something like this, dear Lord Jesus. I know that I've sinned and I can't earn my way to heaven. But I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sin and rose from the grave. And just now I invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sins, to save me, and to give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Hey, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you just prayed that prayer with me for the first time in your life, you are born again. Here's what I want you to do. We want to celebrate with you. We're not going to embarrass you or anything. But that connection card you filled out, just check on there, pray to receive Jesus. And here's what we're going to do. That gives us an opportunity to celebrate with you. And we're going to send you a, a booklet in the mail that tells you the next seven steps to take in the Christian life. You're going to be confused if you don't know what to do next. We're going to send you something that'll help you. If you're watching online, here's what I need you to do. Take your phone and text, I did, to the number 97,000. I did to the number 97,000. That'll start that whole process with you. We'll get you that booklet. Give us a chance to celebrate with you. If you're watching this days, weeks, and months from now, you can still do that. I did to 97,000. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed, and we're done. I want to ask you, because I want you to be honest. Christian, you've spent time in prayer with the Lord. I want to ask you to be honest. How many of you would say, would give testimony this morning? Hey, I came into the building today. And there were some people in my life who were getting me down. If you give that testimony, just raise your hand, hold it up. Just, I want you to admit it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All across the room, been hundreds of hands all day. Now, how's your relationship with the Lord? I want to pray for you. After, after 
I say amen. Our staff's going to be up here at the front on both sides, and we have something called a next step station. If you need a staff member to pray with you, they're going to be there after the service. If you want information about joining our church, being baptized, or even becoming a Christian, you have more questions, they're, they're going to be there about five minutes, as long as they need to be after the service to answer any of those questions or to pray with you. But I want to pray with you just now. Lord, we come in today, and I know the majority of problems in life are people problems. Like, that's just the way life is. Christian, you've given us the tools and the Word and the Spirit of God to help us. But Lord, it still doesn't make it easy sometimes. We've got those takers in our lives. We've got those, those Herods in our lives. And Lord, they're not ever going to go away, but help us deal with them. Help us to invest in those that love and care for us and pour into our lives. But Lord, more than all of that, more than all of that, help us find our fulfillment in you. We are your child if we know you Savior. Help us today invest in that relationship, find our joy in you, find our happiness in you, find our fulfillment in you. And not in what others say, do, or think. Don't let people get us down. But help Jesus, Jesus, raise us up. And it's in his name we pray, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>